Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Formula for Success. I'm David Coulthard and I'm joined as ever by my old buddy Eddie Jordan. Honestly, every week it just seems to roll in one in after the other. As I said before, we've never spoken to each other as often, so it's actually quite pleasurable. I'm going to take that and move on. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to see if we can delve into your little black book of contacts and give us a, a, a tale, uh, whatever story that's coming to your mind from the world of celebrity or the world of motorsport, of course. Well, you know, in a way, this is not a celebrity story. This is um, a great pal. And you're involved here because you knew the person and sadly he's passed. That's David Price. And Dave Price was one of the great unsung heroes in certainly in my lifetime coming through the, the ranks. He was an unbelievably talented team boss, uh, team owner, um, went on obviously to, to run Brabham, uh, then run Panos, but long before that. Um, I came across him, I think, in the mid-70s. I realized how good he was. I got sponsorship from Marlborough to come and do International Formula 3, and I wanted to drive for, for, for Pricey, for Dave. Um, he was that good. His cars were pristine. They were just so well prepared. And um, he took another driver by the name of Nigel Mansell over me, which, I mean, I was completely furious about, but uh, he was a good judge of character. I'd never been to a three-star Michelin uh, restaurant until I'd gone to France with DP. He, he, he just had this... Uh, belief and love of fine food, fine wines, and um, any of the little bit of culture that I may have gathered up over those years, I think a lot of that came from TP, and I owe him so much, and, and I miss this guy uh, so much. We used, to, we used to trade off drivers. I remember um, having Stefan Johansson and Manuel Piro in Macau, and uh, I also got a sponsorship, and that was with Marlborough, and I got a sponsorship from Viceroy. Uh, Viceroy, I felt it was just too close to the bone to run a Viceroy car and a Marlborough car together, even though I did think about it. <laughs> but anyway, um, I gave that to Pricey and uh, with a driver called Ricard Rydell, and it was really embarrassing because they put the car on pole position. And uh, so he didn't win it, which sort of saved the blushes a little bit. But that was the nature. Dave Price had an ability to run the best cars. And when Bernie picks somebody to run Brabham, you can be sure that it was top drawer. And that's what he did. He ran Brabham for a while. Didn't really like that system where he wasn't his own boss, so to speak. But then he went off to do Panos. 
And, um, you know, when we're recalling with different people going to the memorial, um, I spoke to, to a person who sent me a message because he wanted to make sure that he realized um, or be part of the program and be part of the memorial. This particular person is Perry McCarthy. For those who don't know, he drove Formula One uh, for a while, not with a big <laughs> team, but he did drive Formula One. He then drove for Panos. He did a lot of Formula Three with Magic and various other people. Great guy, but some people may remember him as he was the original Stig and uh, he's one that made Stig so popular uh, with that great program, Top Gear. Beautifully said. Let's listen to Perry. Hey, DC, EJ, Perry, great to be on your show. Uh, yeah, we're talking about our old friend Dave Price and uh, lovely memories of him. It does bring up one memory, obviously, or well, a couple, actually. But there was one, EJ, you remember when we were in France racing? Uh, Formula 3, and Price, he was running Andrew Ridgely of Wham! fame. And, of course, Paul Belmondo, son of the French actor Jean-Paul Belmondo. And... Um, yeah, I think the session had been rained off. So we were all bored. And do you remember, EJ, we went out, went out to get drunk, and found a bar, and I got on the piano, you got on the drums, Andrew Ridgely sang, everybody was there. And, uh, yeah, jumping on the tables, having a laugh. It just went berserk. Uh, princess Stephanie, of course, uh, who did allow me to actually just call her princess. Mind you, after a few beers, I started calling everybody princess, including Belmondo. But, yeah, great memories. But, they, but thinking about Pricey, there was another time in the uh, World Sports Car GT Championship where me and Dave Brabham were driving for him and we were at Spa and this thing was a, it was difficult to drive to be quite honest. Um, but both uh, Brabs and me had badly clumped the car against other cars out there and caused a lot of damage. And uh, we've gone back to the pits and Price has taken us to one side and he's looked at us and he's gone, uh, you pair of fucking wankers have caused so much damage to that vehicle. He said that, that and how much money I could have been in fucking Barbados having a fucking good time for four months. Actually, to qualify, he didn't say fucking wankers. He said something much shorter, beginning with C. But, um, but it's a family show. <laughs> uh, the good news for me was it was plural for a change rather than just aimed at me. Anyway, lovely to think of, Dave. And um, lots of love to both of you guys as well. Cheers. What a great message there from Perry McCarthy. One of the he doesn't hold back, does he, old pal? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, look, a, a great talent, a, a grafter, an absolute grafter. Well worth anyone out there who's looking for a very entertaining read, uh, buying his book, which was called "Flat Out, Flat Broke," and it's got a lovely picture of him standing beside whatever that atrocity of a Formula One car that he he was given to drive. Amanda Noda, wasn't it? Uh, Andrea Moda, that's correct. Yeah, I, I remember it was one of those 39 cars that had to pre-qualify like the Jordan had. I should know. Andrea Noda, that's who it was, yes. Yeah, they sent him out to qualify on a set of wets on a dry track. That's how confident they were that the car was actually going to run. They were skint. They were even more bankrupt yeah. than you and me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you did things like that. He did indeed, and Perry's a great example of grafting. I have one perhaps final little story 
uh, even though there were dozens and dozens about that wonderful man, Dave Price. He had a couple of little problems medically and uh, went to see him with one of them in the beginning. And then uh, a couple of years later, he had a, a burst aorta and he survived that, which is really quite unusual. And well done to the medics for making sure that they got him to the hospital and they saved him. Um, he was in the Brompton Hospital and I went to see him. And I, as we were leaving, I took out this um, gift for him and he looked at it and he said, hey, come on, EJ, what's this? And I said to him, look, it's... Um, IWC, it's a, it's a really nice watch, and uh, he 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 was in tears. He said, I, "I can't take this. Come on." And I said, "No, Dave, I think that much about you, and I think the memories and the stuff of growing up, all of those years in France, all of those years in England, uh, where we were so close. Um, please have it." And um, it was a fake, you know. And it was only two years later that he realized, "Ej, this fucking thing is." Filled up with fucking water. <laughs> and so it was water. He, he was, for those who don't realise, he was from South London and he had a perfect South London accent that I can't take up. Anyway, I said, well, you don't expect me to have given you a proper one, do you? And he said, why not? And I said, well, I thought you were going to croak at any stage. I said, I had to give you a fake and that's how that happened. But anyway, oh, he's a great guy and he'd be so sadly missed. Um, the memorial... From what I understand with the people going there and the music, it's set to be one of the best parties of the year. So he deserves that. Uh, a magic send-off. Great friend of everybody's. Yeah, and only only you, EJ, could get away with uh, giving someone a fake watch and uh, him appreciating <laughs> the humour in that story. All right, it's uh, that part of the show where uh, we get to get a few listeners' questions. So as ever, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can follow us on social media at F1 for Success or by emailing ffs at whisper.tv. And we have a listener here who's done exactly that. And here's a question for you, EJ, and it's from Reese Bithel. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it's, hi, guys. I recently saw a clip of the Channel 4 interview with Toto Wolf after Abu Dhabi 2016. Nico had just won the championship and Lewis had disobeyed team orders to try and back Nico into Sebastian Vettel. In that interview, Eddie says to Toto that Mercedes has weak management. At that time, he laughed this off as they had just won the championship. Now, seven years later, does Eddie still think Mercedes has weak management? And could this be one of the reasons that Mercedes are no longer at the front of the grid? Jeez, I don't remember that, EJ. That is brave in front of Toto, questioning his management. I love teasing Toto. What is it about me and Toto? I love it because he just takes it. And um, he should tell me to get stuff sometime, and that might help. But um, <laughs> I'd still do it, though, nevertheless. Um, I think Toto is a really good addition to Formula One. I think that he has massive attributes. But I've been critical and just to answer indirectly the question, uh, I've been critical in the last couple of episodes of this where I think where he was critical of his designers and his engineers. And I say, well, hang on a second. When I was the boss of Jordan, if the car was good, I took all the claim. And of course, if the car was bad, you try to, 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 to put it on somebody else. But actually, you've got to stand up and take it. You've got to be a man. It happened under his watch. He's the chief executive of the team. And um, my message to Toto was that I would much, just me, I would much prefer if he stood up and said, look, we at Mercedes are a team. We'll always be a team. And we got this wrong. Do I still think he's weak? No, I don't think he, he's weak, but he certainly manages differently to how I would. Um, I, I was kind of ruthless 
And if, if, if there was flack going around, I would take it or I wanted to take it because I always wanted to safeguard the other people who were maybe not quite as proficient as dodging bullets as I was. Uh, and I could all tell them to go and get stuffed if I wanted to. And they kind of took it. Whereas I think Toto is in the same position and he should tell these people to get stuffed if that's what he needs to say. And he, at this stage of his life, he should know and he does know how to dodge bullets and um, that's all I say. But it, that's not a form of weakness. That's just a different style of management. And uh, I have a huge regard. Look, this guy has won a million times more than what I've ever won. So how could I be critical of him? And um, so well done. Keep doing it. But I would love if you could give that team a slightly better car because... Toto, we're desperate. We need somebody to take it to, to, to Red Bull. And at the moment, no one can see that happening. Also, just for our listeners, when you keep talking about dodging bullets, they're going to think that Formula One's the Wild West. It is. It's not like that at all. It was. Yeah, well, it might have been in your time, yeah. It was. Well, let's, let's just keep on that theme then about team principles, style of management, and also team managers. Because I, I think it's always been interesting for me the difference between the principle and the style of management. You know, I work with... Sir Frank Williams as an early uh, young driver, Ron Dennis, of course, uh, during my nine years at McLaren, and then uh, Christian Horner, who was the first team principal that was actually younger than me. And very different management styles. You know, Sir Frank was very much a racer, but from, from a driver point of view, he, he encouraged you to go racing, which would seem like such an obvious thing. But by that, what I mean is he would never be pissed off if you crashed the car really giving it one, really, you know, on the edge of doing some great lap times. Of course, if you did when you were slow, then he would find that unacceptable. But he, he, just in his heart, he was a racer. Ron Dennis, uh, you know, was, I think, misunderstood to the outside world because he was an incredibly caring individual to the team and, and um, you know, took care of his, his, his team personnel if they had medical issues or their family had issues. He took care of them quietly, but... In a, in a great way because he understood the importance of the team. And then, of course, Christian, as a young uh, ex-racer uh, and successfully running his Formula 3000 team to championships, really understood what it was. And it was almost like a crossover role, as I see it, team principal, team manager, because he knew how to manage the team. So how, how, how do you see, EJ, in terms of the distinction between the personality of the team principal and, and how you empower your team manager? You depicted those people, in my opinion, very accurately. You know, I differed from Frank in a lot of ways, um, mainly because my mind was mainly financially driven. And that's where my training came from. Ron was the perfectionist, wasn't he? He, he just had everything pit pat. He wanted the centers. He wanted the pros. And to be fair, we all laughed and joked. We take the Mickey out of Ron a little bit because of you know how how clinical he is, both in cleanliness and the way he prepares the car and the people. But I bet they wish they had him back because. Where is McLaren now? Nowhere near where they were. And, um, you know, you can say what you like. Ron Dennis was just fantastically dedicated and committed to his team. And you're absolutely right. The unsung hero to the staff members and people. And to be honest, I would hope that people would be able to say the same about me in terms of because the team and the staff, there is nobody more important 
and their children and how they're going to school and knowing and remembering Johnny on on, on the gearbox design, what his wife's name was and their kids and if there was birthdays. And I'd have that all scribbled out so as I'd know which was happening. And I think they're very important to endear yourself to the team because you need that team doing the most extraordinary things possible to give you that little added extra. And I think you've just maybe overlooked somebody who I thought was really uh, strange as a team boss, but I really admired and I liked, even though he knew precious little about Formula One, and that was Flavio, because his success rate was very good. And when he was in Benetton and, and working for that, he was Bernie's main man, so he got certain advice and there was always funding available for him. But, you know, he was an operator and we could fight like hell. Jordan and Benetton and Flavio and me, my God. But he'd be the first to offer me a lift home. And he'd be the first to come and visit me or whatever it is. So let's not underestimate the powers that be with Flavio. Please include him because he was a little bit like Christian. He was working for somebody, whereas it was me who's exposed at Jordan, Frank exposed at Williams, and Ron Dennis was exposed at McLaren because, you know, it was our gig, our money, our bank manager. And I tell you what, that brings another level of pressure. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point about Flavio. He, he came with a completely different view on what Formula One was or or is he was like you know if you engineers if you let the engineers make decisions you'll, you'll be spending money all day long yeah, absolutely. he was all about the show he was all about how do we get the maximum entertainment and i think that there was a lot to be said for that and i think formula one under liberty has has moved towards understanding that we are an entertainment business as well as an engineering business just when you touch on that, EJ, about the difference between being, you know, having skin in the game, and of course, Toto has ownership, you know, whatever it is, 30% of, of Mercedes Grand Prix. Do you think that is what changes a lot the personalities of, of the team principals today? Because you're, you're not there fighting tooth and nail for your flesh and blood, so to speak, you know, your, your, your company. Absolutely. So when you're on a salary and you go, like you as a driver, you go and you negotiate your contract, um, the CEO goes and uh, negotiates, they know that they're going to get paid. And if they don't get paid, then, then they go and see a lawyer and they issue a writ and a winding up petition and all of those other horrible expressions. Um, that's what happens. Um, if you've got your skin in the game and you do not have enough money to pay the staff and you don't have enough money to pay the engine bill, and I can promise you I've been down this road so many times that I could tell you pit pat how it works. And there were frightening times. And um, it's the only time in my life, there's a great word that I use, and I don't mind stress. I actually enjoy stress. It's really cool. What is not enjoyable is distress. And when you have financial pressure, I think that is the worst form of distress. When you know you can't pay the staff, when you know you can't pay the end, and you know that the judge has just decreed that this is a winding up petition, and if by 12 o'clock tomorrow you haven't got 1.2 million on the table to give to Vickers to pay for the Ford engine for the rest of the season, then you know it's curtains. And then when the curtains come down, um, you, you know that Bernie doesn't have to pay you, and you go to Bernie in the hope that he might front load some of us and in my case he was magnificent uh, he he front loaded me until he realized that you know this is ridiculous i can't keep doing this and he just told me jordan back off no more dough for you uh, and stuff so, so he, he he was like the, the the fairy godmother he he was kind but he was 
tough as hell and he could be horrible, but he could be equally as nice. So you never know what you were getting with him. But he often said to me that, you know, Jordan was good for the show. So therefore, I probably had a little bit of an advantage with him. Flavio was good for the show. Um, all those wonderful girlfriends and um, uh, the way he went about it. You know, Benetton was the Italian kind of things and then it changed to various different things. He went to Renault. What can I say? Flavio was one of the people to this day that I don't know if you see much of him in Monaco, but, you know, I would have a coffee with him. We laugh and chuckle about things that we actually hated each other uh, to do with. Yeah, well, I think there's uh, there's definitely individual episodes of this podcast on on the life of, of Flavio and maybe we can get him on. I do see him occasionally in Monaco. Um, he owns a few restaurants here and he, he dutifully goes around them checking that everyone's doing their job. So he's still Every day. ever present, still, still manager, of course, of uh, Fernando Alonso. Done a pretty good job of getting him into a quick car, the Aston Martin for this year. And uh, yeah, there'll be another one uh, on Bernie, of course. We could probably see if we can get Bernie on the on the show at some point. But just on this little segment, EJ, just a clothing thought on drivers. Because when I look at the drivers today, they, they come with such confidence. You know, as rookies, they bounce into the paddock. They've got their press officers and their trainers and their hairstylists. And they, they just seem so well prepared and so confident I remember it was probably about three years into my Formula One career before I plucked up the carriage to ask a question in the driver's briefing. You know, you're so fearful of saying something silly or, or, or you know, getting in the way of the established drivers. So is that just evolution of our times? Um, they're, they're starting younger, so they arrive more prepared. Or what's your view on that? My view is that it was a, a different time. It was like, let's say, a family. Sometimes families of years gone by, we say 40, 50, more or less the years that I was brought up in, you always respected your elders, you always did this and you always did that, and you were always spoken to and you weren't heard. And um, so that's changed, and probably rightly so. People are much more forthright in what they believe they say. People come out and protest if they need to protest. Some people come out and, and, and uh, embrace the situation, are complementary to various different things. So Am I, I actually love it. I like even looking at my own grandkids and saying, oh my God, look at them at eight, nine and 10. My God, they're just like queens with makeup and lipstick. And I'm saying, Jesus, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, the sign of the times, you better get used to it, DC. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's fun really to sit back and look at it. It's, it's, it's different. It's not better and it's not worse. It's different. We've just moved on and it's very important, as my kids keep telling me, Dad, don't get stuck in the old ways. And also, Dad, and this is a message for everybody and all the listeners, I have one very, very important message, and that is never, never let the old man in. And um, that's something I say to myself every day when I feel a bit creaky in the morning. I say, oh, no, do I have to do this and do I have to do that? Never let the old man in. Get up, jump about, play some music, do whatever you feel that you like doing and uh, enjoy it because the years fly by and uh, it's only a matter of time, guys. Uh, I want to stay above ground as long as I possibly can. Well, I definitely uh, second that as a motion, and I can confirm to anyone who doesn't know you, EJ, that uh, you are a example of uh, keeping the old man out. I've been cycling with you. Uh, you. You recently cycled, I don't know how many 
kilometers it was in South Africa across a mountain. Um, and, and as we know, you're you know halfway through your 70s. So yeah, I guess if you if you keep pushing and don't uh, allow yourself to act like a, a an old man, then you'll not be an old man. Exactly. Now, I think we've just got about enough time for a quick spin down to Eddie's Corner, where you, EJ, get up on your soapbox and get something off your chest. So what words of wisdom do you have for us today? Well, I've been thinking about this, and uh, more recently when I've been watching the rugby in the last couple of weeks, and um, we haven't seen too many accidents in Formula One, but what does come to mind, David, we've been very lucky. You know, we're here talking to each other, and there's people hopefully listening to us. Uh, but there are so many ex-drivers, whether they've been sports car drivers, they've been dirt track drivers, they've been this, that and the other, and are really falling on hard times. And uh, we know that other sports, in particular rugby and soccer and, you know, talking about head injuries and whatnot, I'm really concerned that we're not doing enough for for people in sport and um, protecting them from dementia and many other different ailments. And I don't want to go into it on a medical basis, but that's my big beef at the moment. Let us all think about it. We get so much enjoyment watching sport on television. Please, please let us not forget about the people who haven't made it and the people who nevertheless are suffering. And uh, I'd love to make a, I'd love to have a forum whereby we can actually join forces with other sports and see how best we can do that. Yeah, well, EJ, I, I didn't uh, know at all you were going to bring that up, but it's timely because I've just been part of a study done by the Automobile Club in Monaco uh, and using the Prince's Grace Hospital looking at the effects of uh, concussion uh, within sport and clearly looking at racing drivers, there's motorbike riders here, there's cyclists, there's a whole host of different sports. Um, so there may be some of your your ex-sporting buddies uh, from the rugby world and, and the likes here in Monaco that either are part of that or you, you may want to put forward. And actually, interestingly, Ron Dennis, who I saw not so long ago, is uh, part of uh, the funding into uh, a study into head injuries uh, within the, the UK medical system. I believe uh, his daughter is is a doctor yeah, and she may well be the catalyst for that. Yeah. So here, here, I agree with that. We should definitely do what we can to help. Um, EJ, that rolls us into the end of the show. And a few weeks ago, you gave us a sample of some new theme music for the show that you've been working on. Uh, so let's have a quick listen again. My favourite part, the growl, the Captain Jack Sparrow of Eddie Jordan at the end there. It, it's, it's a catchy little number. It, it gets me moving. We asked the listeners to give us their thoughts, EJ. And I have to say, it's gone down pretty well. But I, I sense that this is still a work in progress. Am I right? You, have you got some things you can do to, I, I don't want to say improve it, but to enhance it? No, it, it needs to be improved. Look, I've listened to it and it's different listening it listening to when you actually put it down and then you're playing it on like what we've done here on the podcast um it's not edgy enough it doesn't have enough uh, uh screaming guitars or the drum it needs a little bit of a drum fill somewhere along the line and i just think something needs to come out of there and really say wow 
uh, that's got it. And hopefully in the next show, I may have somebody who is very proficient in all of that in terms of making music. So I have it working and out. We're talking to each other, but I have to get him to make sure that he is going to respond with a voice message because I think that's what our listeners want. They want to feel the interaction with the people that we're talking about, that their contribution is, in fact, is part of that show. Well, that's definitely something to look forward to, EJ. It's been a pleasure, as always, talking to you this week. And I'd just like to remind the listeners what they need to do to get in touch with the show. They can email us at ffs at whisper.tv and follow us on social media at F1 for success. See you next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.